Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 28. Welcome to the Gary Renard Podcast, your direct connection to Gary Renard, best-selling author of The Disappearance of the Universe, Your Immortal Reality, and his upcoming book, Love Has Forgotten No One. I'm Gene Bogart, podcast producer and Gary's co-host. And in this episode... We're going to move into the second half of our podcast at sea, the one we recorded aboard the Happy Dream Cruise to the Caribbean. Coming up later in this program, right near the end, I'll come back and I'll give you some uh, links, some interesting ways to get connected to other things that we're doing that have to do with this podcast and uh, and other things. You'll find out at the end of the show, just to keep you interested. Uh, oh, not that you're not interested already. I know you are. But also, I wanted to mention that at YouTube, we now are featuring a couple of video clips. There's actually one of them there right now, and there's more to come. When we recorded this program, the podcast at sea, as we mentioned in our last episode, uh, the audio was actually taken from a video recording, which is how we recorded it on board the ship. Well, some of the real video is being posted at YouTube. And uh, to find that, you can just go to youtube.com slash Gene Bogart. That takes you to Gene Bogart's YouTube channel. I have my own TV channel now. Doesn't that just seem appropriate? So you can check that out. One of the video clips is there, and we're going to have more added as we go along. But we'll tell you more about that later on. Right now, I do think it is time to move into, as promised, the second half of our podcast at sea, where we pick up with questions for Gary right where we left off last time, aboard the MS Westerdam. Let's do some more questions. Oh, right up front, Rick. Okay, yeah. See the front row seat. This might be a tougher question to answer because it's probably very broad in terms of the scope, but maybe you might be able to laser this. I find Helen Schuchman to have been quite a paradoxical character in many, many ways, and yet, as we've talked earlier, she made it. How do we reconcile ourselves with who she was by her own statements, how she resisted the course, how she didn't do the course, and where she ended up? Yeah. Um, well, uh, technically, Helen was not enlightened at the end of her life. Bill Thetford was, I believe. Uh, Helen was, and Helen was still in conflict. But she had a very important gift that she had used, apparently, with Jesus in other lifetimes. So she was a great scribe, uh, and she always had that gift, at least for you know a while before uh, she came here in this uh, final or most recent lifetime of hers. My feeling is is that she'll be enlightened in, in her next lifetime, which uh, I'm sure, I mean, she could already be a ways through it, you know, uh, at this point. Generally, there's not a lot of time uh, in between the time that you appear to uh, pass away. Uh, you go to the in-between life, it, it's kind of like a timeless type of a, a situation. It may only last for an hour or two, and you could be, uh, you know, just going into appearing to go into another body. We appear to go into other bodies, it's just a projection, but it feels real. You know, and I'm, once again, I'm not denying that experience that it feels real, but the body is just a projection, you know, coming from the unconscious mind, just like everything else. And uh, yeah, so you might just spend an, uh, an hour or two, like Helen probably did, and she's living a different lifetime now, which could be her last one. Uh, she will have no trouble whatsoever understanding of course, miracles intellectually, she'll understand it better than just about anybody because she knows it so well. 
and uh, understands it completely. The difference in that lifetime will be that she is able to apply it. I think that Helen was too set in her ways. You know, this, I think she was in her, what, 50s when this started happening, uh, if not older. And, uh, you know, she was just, you know, so set in her ways, academically uh, prestigious. Uh, her and Bill didn't want to tell anybody that they were doing this because it was just too foreign to, you know, their whole background and their positions and everything. So that's why it was always uh, going to be anonymous. And I seriously considered at one point putting out the disappearance of the universe anonymously, you know, and not having my name on it. And our person said, no, people are going to have questions and you need to be there to answer them. You know, whether you do a good job or not isn't as important as the fact that you're, you know, you're there and that you're a real person. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, they, they put down that idea pretty quick about uh, putting out disappearance uh, anonymously. And so I said, well, you know, uh, can I have the role you? And uh, I said, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's like, um, and, and, you know, uh, I, was, I was joking with Karen. I told her I was going to come to Waikiki and visit my money. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, mean, I don't care. It's, it, it's fun. Yeah, it's been uh, it's really time. I didn't have anything better to do. You know, I, mean, I was just sitting there suffering. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it has been uh, a lot of fun. And as far as Helen goes, um, yeah, I, I don't think she was enlightened, but uh, she she knows so much that she will be this time around. Uh, I mean, she could be here, you know? I mean, we, uh, we could have met her, you know, without realizing it. It could be uh, someone who was born around 1982, 83, you know, and who's uh, 25, 26 years old today, you know? And, and we could have even met her without realizing it. So uh, my feeling is that a lot of the people that hung around with Jesus 2,000 years ago are here, and they are doing... Uh, of course of miracles and they're able to get the teachings on a whole new level which is exciting now, the teachings haven't changed but our ability to understand it has certainly changed uh, you know people will ask why didn't Jesus correct the course of miracles why didn't he correct Christianity with the course of miracles sooner you know why didn't he put out a course of miracles you know a thousand years ago you know or 200 years ago and uh, I think the answer is, is that he really couldn't have. First of all, it wasn't until uh, oh, the 1700s that enough people could read where it would actually make an impact on society. A uh, few people could read. Like 2,000 years ago, Thomas was uh, a scribe. You know, he started out as a lawyer, didn't like that, became a tax collector, didn't like that, and everybody hated him. And uh, eventually he ended up, because he could read and write, once he met Jesus, then he decided to become Jesus' scribe. And, uh, you know, that was pretty cool. But very few people could read. Uh, you didn't even have, what, a printing press until, what, the 1500s or something. Uh, you know, pe people couldn't read until the 1700s. We had no Freud or Jung, you know, until 100 years ago. Uh, people, you know, understand the mind a lot more deeply now uh, than they used to. Uh, quantum physics has certainly opened up uh, people's minds. Uh, to the fact that uh, it can even be demonstrated, at least in scientific theory, that the world is an illusion and that it doesn't exist. You know, and uh, then you have all this Eastern thought that, that has been coming over in the form of uh, you know, Zen and Est was very Zen. And uh, 
you know, a lot of Eastern thought uh, has infiltrated uh, the West, uh, especially since the 70s. And uh, you, know, you have all these things happening, including uh, the Gospels that we've been talking about. You know, the Gospel of Thomas, Philip, Mary, things like that. You have all these things coming together. Uh, the Catholic Church uh, in the 60s, right at the same time that Helen started scribing the Course, the Catholic Church decided that they would let uh, you know, their scholars study all these other Gospels that are out there instead of forbidding them to read them. Uh, that turned out to be uh, an interesting development because you wouldn't have all these scholars today uh, saying, well, no, you know, uh, Paul came later than Thomas and things like that. Uh, without that you know, uh, ability to look at these things and have them translated and have them studied. Uh, so you have all these things that have come together all pretty much at the same time where it was just the perfect time for A Course in Miracles uh, to be coming out. Uh, 1976, it was available in 75, but uh, you know, all those things happened all at once. And I think a lot of us who are studying it uh, today, we were there you know, with Jesus uh, 2,000 years ago, a lot of us knew each other. And uh, you know, as I said, even if it was just following him around, trying to figure out what he was talking about, you know, that, uh, that was definitely a, a thing where a lot of us are meeting again you know, this time around. And, uh, you know, as Emerson said, if we are related, we shall meet. And we are. And that's why we're here. Cool. We uh, have time for a couple more questions here. We'll get to, did we have one over here before, a question for Gary? Or <coughs> well, let me bring this over so we can, so we can all hear. Okay. Oh, um, I've just been fortunate to be invited to here. I happen to be on the cruise, unrelated to this workshop, but there's, I had an opportunity to talk to some people, and there's obviously a like-minded quality. A lot of what you talk about is very similar to what um, I personally study, which is Tibetan Buddhism, so it was interesting that you touched upon that, Eastern. So some of the, um, I, I was curious about two things. One was actually, you know, how you would describe the Course in Miracles as it relates to to Tibetan Buddhism, if you can make a statement on that, or and is there actually exercises aside from reading and observing your mind, you know, that one does um, on a daily basis to achieve enlightenment? Um, that would be helpful too. Yeah, um, I said earlier in the week. Uh, I think that of course America has more in common with Buddhism than it does with Christianity, even though it uses these Christian terms to speak to a Western audience. Uh, it's still very akin uh, to Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism. Uh, the only difference that I see, and I don't think it's a, that big a difference, because I know that uh, Buddha was very familiar uh, with God, although he might have called it the Tao. Uh, you know, what is the Tao? The Tao is absolute stillness, and the reason that it's absolute stillness is because it's not changing or shifting the way that uh, unreality is always shifting and changing. It's something that is constant, as we were talking about earlier. Uh, constancy does not exist in this world, but constancy does exist in the Tao. That's why the Tao is absolute stillness. It's not changing. It's not evolving. If it was evolving, then it wouldn't be perfect. Uh, you know, but uh, it's not evolving because it is perfect and it is constant. So, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I can't talk too much about Buddhism because I'm not an expert on it, but uh, I think that uh, Jesus certainly understood the teachings of Buddha, uh, understood the concept of undoing the ego, 
knew that there was just one of us that thinks that it's here, you know, and, and put it all together in such a way that maybe nobody else ever really put it all together. But it, it still resulted in uh, replacing the ego thought system completely with the thought system of the Holy Spirit, which led to an accelerated uh, path of undoing the ego. So even though it's the same principle as uh, things that we had earlier about undoing the ego, I think that what Jesus did was he quickened up the process, which is why he talks in the course about you know saving thousands of years, uh, you know through the miracle, which is forgiveness, you know, and uh, obviously he's talking about saving countless lifetimes by cutting to the chase and getting right into this kind of forgiveness uh, that undoes the ego. And uh, yeah, I think that um, I don't know how many Buddhists are going to get into uh, A Course in Miracles, but it's possible that you could have quite a few. And I also think that eventually the Course will be to Christians, you know, Christianity, what the Kabbalah is uh, to Judaism. And I think that uh, you have uh, the myth, all the mystical wings of the uh, Christian Church is kind of like taking uh, to A Course in Miracles. Uh, there are a lot of Catholics. Uh, that take to the course. I know we make all these jokes, you know, about these recovering Catholics, but uh, Catholicism traditionally has been very mystical, uh, a lot more mystical than, say, you know, Southern Baptists who will run away from mysticism and call it of the devil and all that. But yet, a lot of Catholics will embrace mysticism, uh, and you know, they can start their own uh, group, you know, their own sect and everything. And Catholics they'll let you they'll let you do practically anything as long as you say that you believe in the Apostles' Creed. You know, as long as you say, oh, yeah, I believe that Jesus is my Savior and that he died for my sins and he rose on the third day, as long as you're willing to say that, they'll let you do practically anything. You know, so it, it's like, uh, it's not as strict as uh, some people think it is. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of mystical Catholics, and I think a lot of them uh, either are doing the Course or they're starting to, they keep it secret a lot. Uh, I remember John Mundy was talking once about how I saw John last month at the Course Marcus Conference, I gave him a big hug. You know, he kind of like uh, seemed to turn on me for a while. And he, I just like to say that he fell in with the wrong people. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but uh, John was talking about how when he was a Methodist minister, uh, you know, he tried to teach the Course, you know, from the pulpit. You know, without, uh, and he would even quote from the Course sometimes. And he tried not to be too obvious about it, but he was uh, actually you know, teaching the, the course in Methodist church. And then one day, this woman got up, and she said, I am not hearing about the blood of Jesus Christ in this church. You know, and uh, people start to go along with her, and it's like, wow, where's, where's the blood? You know? <laughs> you know, we need the blood. <laughs> and it's like, uh, eventually, uh, he, he had to have a meeting with his... Uh, whatever they call it, whoever is in charge there, and uh, and uh, this guy said, you know, I, maybe you don't want to be a Methodist, you know, and uh, John had to kind of agree with him. He started his own church in uh, New York City, and I forget it was called Interfaith something, and uh, eventually he left, and now he's pretty much out on his own. But, uh, you know, for the most part, uh, and I think this is the brilliance of the course being a self-study course because you don't have to believe in, in a particular religion. And people will just continue to share it by word of mouth and that's how it's going to keep uh, spreading. Uh, it's the same with my books. Uh, people just keep sharing them with their friends, their relatives, and uh, people they meet you know, at meetings or bookstores or whatever. 
and uh, I think it'll pretty much keep going that way. Uh, the course has been strong now for about 32, 33 years, and uh, Disappearance came out six years ago uh, this month, and uh, it keeps right on going, so yeah, it's definitely got legs, and uh, you know, I see it happening in other countries too. But um, they say that uh, you know, any work, the original language is always the best. You know, in, yeah, there are some good translations of, uh, of Disappearance, and, and uh, Rogier is translating all three of my, my books into Dutch. And uh, he's, he's going to do, uh, I believe, eventually translation of the Book of Mark uh, from the original Greek uh, into English. Uh, when you see that, you'll see a Christianity that is closer to A Course in Miracles than what we have today. We do not have uh, the original Christianity. It's not just that Christianity got Jesus wrong. Uh, eventually, Christianity even got Christianity wrong. You know, because there were words, uh, for example, in the original language that, that means, well, repent would mean uh, a change of mind. You know, it's not the way that people wire it up nowadays. Uh, nowadays, in modern Christianity in the West, people will interpret the word repent to mean uh, basically cleaning up your act. You know, and improving on the level of the effect. But the original idea wasn't the level of the effect. The original idea was the level of the mind, or cause, which is why that word meant a change of mind. You know, so, uh, you know, Jesus as he was 2,000 years ago, actually, as he actually was, was uh, much closer to A Course in Miracles than anything else. And, uh, I mean, he, had, he didn't have Ten Commandments. He didn't even go by Moses. He ignored the law. And uh, he had two commandments of his own. You know, you should love your neighbors yourself, and you should love God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. It was, it was completely about loving God and your neighbor equally. And that tied in with that whole idea of not seeing people as being part of it, but seeing people as being all of it. And, uh, you know, so he tied that in with uh, his teachings, and uh, he was always consistent. Uh, you look at the Lord's Prayer that we have, uh, you know, today, it's nothing like what it was like uh, 2,000 years ago. The version that Jesus gives us in the course of the Lord's Prayer is, is a lot closer, you know, even though it's in English, it's, it's a lot closer than what, you know, Jesus was actually saying as the Lord's Prayer, which was actually not the prayer, uh, it was the introduction. You know, so it was meant to do what we did, uh, yes, you know, the last couple of sessions where we uh, got ourselves into a frame of mind where we were ready to join, you know, with God and become one with God. Uh, you'll see that some of this sounds uh, familiar, uh, but it's also different. It says, uh, forgive us our illusions, Father, and help us to accept our true relationship with you, in which there are no illusions, and where none can ever enter. Our holiness is yours. What can there be in us that needs forgiveness when yours is perfect? The sleep of forgetfulness is only the unwillingness to remember your forgiveness and your love. Let us not wander into temptation, for the temptation of the Son of God is not your will. And let us receive only what you have given, and accept but this into the minds which you created and which you love. 
that wandering to temptation, once again, it's not uh, the same way that people traditionally think of that word temptation. Uh, it's, uh, the temptation is to regard yourself as a body. You know, and and uh, as soon as you regard yourself as a body, the ego has won. So, and the way out of that fastest is to not regard other people as bodies. You know, and once again, you know, I'm not saying you don't have normal relationships or interact with bodies that uh, your body's eyes appear to be showing you. It's just that at some point you're going to think of them not as being what they think they are, but as being what you know they are, which is this perfect oneness with God and this perfect spirit. And uh, if you do that, then you're not wandering into temptation. And, uh, and you are using forgiveness the way that it was originally uh, intended to be used. Yeah. Uh, is there anybody else? But, you know, you mentioned uh, Roger before, and he did have a hand up. I thought it might uh, might only be appropriate to have the man himself ask the question. So if I can not fall over on my way here, there you go. Thank you. Um, yeah, this question relates maybe to the uh, chapter that you mentioned before about it's this lifetime stupid. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of stuff going on, it seems, all around us with uh, renewed interest in past life memories and so on and so on. And of course, some yeah. of that uh, is key to your own material. And um, I just um, <coughs> tend to see that uh, in some uh, quarters, uh, this type of stuff is, is built up sometimes, it seems to me, to inappropriate levels and out of context. Yeah. And I also noticed that there's very few people lining up for uh, uh, past life memories about being Hitler or Judas. And um, there's a lot of people in line for the more popular roles. So I uh, wonder if you could comment about the difference between using those memories and recognizing them as part of your forgiveness lessons and as opposed to using them to build up your ego. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that uh, there is too much emphasis on uh, reincarnation. First of all, yeah, people have to understand what reincarnation is. Uh, we never actually incarnate, ever. You know, we are never in a body, never have been, never will be, and it really is just a projection. The, the Course, once again, teaches that uh, at no single instant does the body even exist. You know, it, because it, it's just a projection. So, first of all, the idea that uh, we incarnate into bodies is a false idea, which is, and that's why in the Manual for Teachers, in the Course, uh, Jesus says that uh, reincarnation is impossible, uh, that, because you don't incarnate into a body. Now, he doesn't mean that you don't appear to go from lifetime to lifetime, but uh, that he refers to as kind of like the serial adventures of the body. You know, where uh, you just keep dreaming, and even in this, apparent lifetime, you will appear to occupy many different bodies. I mean, I can't relate to uh, myself as a teenager, you know, what that was like. You know, it just seems like uh, just some foreign, you know, lifetime or something. And, uh, you know, we, we always are changing, our bodies are always changing, we're always growing with new ones. Uh, you know, and uh, each phase of our lifetime, every 10 years or so, will seem to be almost like a different lifetime. So even within one lifetime, you appear to have several different lifetimes. And then, uh, you know, it keeps going on and on, uh, as long as there's any unconscious guilt in the mind. Uh, I'm a member of a group at Yahoo called the Founding Mystics. And, uh, man, they, they make it, like, totally real. 
you know, they make it all, all these people that they think they were, you know, like 200 years ago. I mean, I, I know that I was this guy, uh, Roger Sherman, who was uh, one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. He was uh, the first congressman from Connecticut. And, uh, you know, people like Octon Ray, who was channeled by uh, Kevin Ryerson. For those of you who don't remember Kevin Ryerson, he was in, you know, Shirley MacLaine's book, Out on the Limbs. He was in her TV movie. He's a famous psychic. And he channels this, uh, this old Greek god named uh, Octon Ray or something. And, uh, you know, he, and we don't need any proof. You know, he confirmed to these founding mystic type people that I was Roger Sherman and that I was St. Thomas and all that stuff. And uh, so, you know, they trust me because they, they trust him, you know, and so he, they figure if he verified that, then I must be legit, right? And uh, the thing is, they just make it so damn real, you know, and it's so important to them to the point where they'll, uh, you know, they'll gather all this photographic evidence, you know, people in this lifetime, their eyes look, you know, the part of you that changes the least from lifetime to lifetime is the eyes. You know, the eyes will often look very similar uh, from lifetime to lifetime. And so they'll gather all this photographic evidence and they'll show these guys, like he was John Adams, you know. Uh, when I say he, I'm talking about a guy uh, named uh, Walter Simpew. And uh, he was John Adams 200 years ago. He'll show like a picture of himself and a drawing of, of Sam Adams. And, and, he, and he took, uh, John Adams, I mean, I drank Sam Adams, but uh, John Adams. And uh, it was like he'll, uh, you know, he took a picture of me Right, and he showed me next to a you know a painting of this Roger Sherman guy, and we do look alike, and the eyes are alike, fine. But uh, the point is, neither one was true. You know, uh, and I went to Vegas. I went to their conference, and I gave them a talk about a course in miracles, and explained to them that you know the body's not real, and how it's all just a dream, and all that. And then they'll they'll come up to me and they'll ask me afterwards. So, what was it like to be Roger Sherman? <laughs> you know because that's what they're interested in and that's what they're ready for. Now, uh, it's not a terrible thing because uh, just as Jesus also says in that same section of the Manual for Teachers, uh, he says all that need be recognized is that birth was not the beginning and death is not the end. You know, so that's really all that need be recognized. And uh, no, we're not ever in bodies, but at the same time, uh, anything that is helpful to people to understand that, that birth is not the beginning and death is not the end, and that this isn't all that there is. Uh, any idea like that can be helpful. I just think that some people overdo it, as, as uh, Roger mentioned, and, and they make the whole thing real, and as soon as they make the whole thing real and make the body real, uh, they're making the whole ego thought system real, which means that uh, you know they're just going to have to keep coming back until they don't make the whole thing uh, real. And uh, at the same time, I, I like those people. Uh, you know, the founding mystics, uh, Cindy and I went to their uh, conference, so we've been to two of them. And uh, lovely people, and, they, and they're just very loving and very forgiving, and uh, I like them a lot. But they, uh, they do overdo it when it comes to making the body real and making the whole ego thought system real. And uh, at the same time, you know, I'm sure that uh, they're exactly where they should be and that they'll uh, eventually move on. You're unbelievable. You're just great, Kara. We uh, we our our meeting here. Now you know why I like you. Because <laughs> it's so complimentary. 
We're going to continue on here, of course, in our gathering aboard the ship, but I think we're going to have to wrap up our podcast segment, as much fun as this has been. And I wondered if, as we often do, if you might have a little closing comment uh, on whatever you'd like to speak about, particularly it might involve the group of all of us here together at sea. Uh, no, I don't, Gene. Okay. Uh, well, in that case. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's okay. Uh, I want to thank you for doing the podcast, because I, I never uh, would have done that. And... Uh, you know, we, I think we were smart to, some people charge for their podcasts, we give ours away for free. And we have a money-back guarantee. That's right. <laughs> we will cheerfully refund every penny anyone has ever spent on one of our podcasts if they're not 100% satisfied. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, you know, poor Gene, people will write to him, all, you know, somebody will write in, and, and most people really like the podcast, but every now and then somebody will write in and say, could, could you please cut all the chit-chat? And, and get to the serious stuff, you know, or they'll, they'll say, Gene, you don't really talk like that, do you? You know, not in real life. And actually, he does. He always talks exactly the same, you know. Uh, you would now I, I have witnesses. All, everybody, yeah, he's like that all the time. That's right. Good or bad. Yeah. And, uh, but I'd like to thank you because, uh, you know, the podcast go all, all over the world, and uh, so many people have been introduced uh, to the course, to my books, uh, because of that. So that was a great idea you had. I'm going to try to get, uh, if we do a TV series, I'm going to try to get Gene to play Thaddeus in the, uh, oh, yeah. in the TV series. Because uh, I don't if you go to his website, uh, Forgiveness TV, is that right, Forgiveness TV? Forgiveness.tv. Yeah. Uh, Forgiveness.tv. If you go to his website, you can see his commercial that he made. He played uh, a bandito. Right? And Some of you have seen it, I know. <laughs> and this guy chews up the scenery. You know, just, I mean, he's just fantastic. You know, we don't need no stinking burgers. He's <laughs> 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 And uh, it's really funny. And uh, he's a very talented person. Now, this guy's a great guitar player. Uh, I go over to his house sometimes. He has, you know, 12, 13 guitars, and, as I said. And, uh, you know, he can sing. Him and Helen are always singing. He's an actor. He's a voiceover artist. Yeah, he's got all this stuff uh, that he does, and he's he's a great friend also. So, uh, you know, I'm just really, uh, you know, happy to uh, you know be associated with you and to be able to do these podcasts with you also. And so, I just wanted to thank you. Thanks a lot. Goes both ways, buddy. And thanks back to you too. It's a great opportunity, obviously, to work alongside you. And we really are great pals. So sometimes people think on the podcast we're putting that on. Hey, buddy, how you doing? But it's you know. It's really true. No matter how much spoof Stephen spoofs us in the spoofs of our podcast, we really are pals. So, uh, well, great, and thanks for the opportunity to be here with all this wonderful group as well. I know it's just been a thrill for me and for Helen and to be here with you and everybody. So, uh, it's just a love fest. It's it a is. happy dream. It is a happy dream. Yeah. If you're a happy learner, then you live in a happy dream. I, I was in, I'll, I'll just close with one quick story. Uh, I was in Denver. Uh, last August, I was going through security at the airport. There was this guy, he was probably, I would say, about 75 years old. He looked to be about, you know, 75 or so. Uh, and he was working for the TSA. You know, he was just helping put bags through the, uh, the screening uh, thing there. And, uh, you know, he looked like, I mean, you know, he probably couldn't afford to retire, but it was better working for the TSA than working at Walmart or whatever. And, uh, you know, he just happened to say something. He said, hey, you know, How's it going? I said, I'm, I'm doing good. How are you doing? And he looked at me and he said, I'm living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? 
and he seemed so happy. You know, it's, you know, just, and so, you know, when I'm 75, I want to, I want to be happy, and I want to be living the dream. And uh, that was inspiring. It was a lot of fun. And uh, so, you know, we can all do that. I mean, you know, you can be a happy learner. And, you know, my teachers at one point told me, they said, you know, it gets to the point where you're so happy, you don't care if you're enlightened yet or not. <laughs> it's like, you know, it doesn't even matter. So uh, I think that's possible for all of us. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that everything is always going to be hunky-dory or, or that things are always going to go good. Uh, they don't in this dream. But uh, at the same time, at least we know what it's for. You know, at least we know what to do with it. You know, and that puts us uh, light years ahead of where we would have been, you know, if we didn't learn this. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a good way of life, and it's a better way of life. And uh, I'm very grateful for it. We have a round of applause for that. Our first podcast of scene, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for being part of it. History made here today. Isn't that terrific? Nothing like a live audience with applause as you're doing a podcast. That was a first for us, and we really loved it. Hopefully, we'll be able to do that again in the future, whether it's on a cruise or at some other live event. But, boy, it's terrific having people there. And quite honestly, our group was really like one big happy family on board the Happy Dream Cruise. And as I mentioned earlier, if you want further information and if you want to feel like you were there, or for those who were there, if you want to relive it, because really there is no time, uh, you can go to YouTube. And the actual address would be youtube.com slash Gene Bogart. And that takes you to Gene Bogart's channel at YouTube. Uh, you can also just search under my name. You can search under Gary Renard or Happy Dream Cruise. Either way, you'll come onto these videos. At, uh, at my YouTube channel, uh, there's one of them right there now as I say this. Uh, by the time you hear it, they're probably will be more, and I'll be adding a series of the actual videos that we recorded on board the ship. And we've also got Gary's video, the older one that's been there for a while, but you may not have seen it. And you can see my bandito as well, just for the heck of it. Uh, keeping in mind also on Facebook, there is now a Happy Dream Cruise group. And you can go to Facebook, just search under Happy Dream Cruise. You can connect with the people who are on board the ship, see some incriminating photos, and find out all sorts of other interesting activity. Don't forget also, uh, there is a Disappearance of the Universe group at Facebook. And I also do want to mention our Disappearance of the Universe group at Yahoo. My goodness, we're all over the place. And uh, under uh, either DU, you can search under that or Gary's name or my name at Facebook. And uh, the Disappearance of the Universe Yahoo group. So many people, over 6,000 members now. We want to say hi to all of them many of whom were on board the cruise. I've also got something new going on, a new email list. Uh, I know that some uh, folks have always been uh, emailing me at my own email address. That's gene at genebogart.com. That is still active. No problem with that. But we also now have forgiveness.tv at gmail.com. And that's G-M-A-I-L, one word, no hyphen. So forgiveness.tv at gmail.com. Just getting that off the ground now. If you want to send, a, send an email to that, I'll be happy to add you to the list. Uh, you don't even have to send content. You could just say, add me, or just send a blank email, or say, hi, Gene, or whatever you'd like to do. But it might be fun. We'll see where that's going to go down the line. But we'd like to have that, uh, that group expand. It's a, just an email notification list at forgiveness.tv at gmail.com. And also, I'll be posting new links 
to all of these things that we've talked about on the links page at the forgiveness.tv website, at the actual website for forgiveness.tv. Check out the links page, and uh, in the oncoming weeks, we'll be expanding that with further links for further information on what we're all doing. The Gary Renard Podcast is produced by Enlighten Up Creations and presented by Forgiveness.tv. Verbal content of this program is copyright 2009, Gary Renard and Gene Bogart. All rights reserved. For more information about what Gary's doing, go to his website, GaryRenard.com. And of course, check out what we're both doing always here at Forgiveness.tv. This is Gene Bogart saying thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate you guys all being out there, and we always love hearing from you. And as we close out every program, we do like to remind you that no matter what the situation or question, forgiveness is always the answer. Helen was just uh, panning the audience. Now, if for some reason, uh, I don't know if this is going to go on YouTube or not, you might, might not. But if for some reason you definitely don't want to have your picture shown on YouTube or something like that, then you can just let us know and uh, we'll, we'll ignore you. But. Uh... <laughs>